Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Once you've found it, if you're able, would you stand please for the reading of God's word? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of God. And you can be seated. From this passage, I'll preach from the title, Christ's Presence and Peace. I am uh, just about halfway through a novel by an author named Richard Powers called The Overstory. Has anybody read The Overstory? All right. All right. We've got one. Without giving too much away, one of the characters is a young woman whose college graduation is fast approaching. When we first meet her, she is aimless, recently broken up with her boyfriend, barely passing her classes, and distanced from her roommates. She regularly retreats into a drug-induced search for clarity. But then something dramatic happens. In the span of just a few hours, she is resurrected into a new life, and it's though she can truly see for the very first time. Her priorities are completely rearranged, and a a world of choices radically different than her previous life opens before her. But... Her new life confuses and worries her friends and family members. They can't see the new reality she is responding to, and so her decisions seem strange and even wrong to them. The Apostle Paul and his apprentice Timothy wrote our passage to a group of young Christians in the city of Philippi. They were a people acquainted with suffering and marginalization, and now, to make matters worse, their teacher and mentor was locked away in a Roman prison. Yet despite these troubles, Paul assured the Philippians that by remembering that Jesus was near, they would experience peace. He urged them to live from a reality stronger than their troubles and more enduring than their suffering. And surely their joyful response to these painful circumstances must have seemed strange to those who didn't share their convictions about the closeness of Jesus. The woman in Richard Powers' novel is transformed once her eyes have been opened to the transcendence all around her. But the transformation doesn't come simply from her new awareness. It's the decisions that she makes in response to her awakening which change her life. Now, I think that's a pretty important distinction. And it's one that Paul makes in these verses, and it's a distinction that I can regularly miss. You see, we might assume that that simply believing in Jesus 
is what changes our lives. And to a certain extent, this is true. But what we saw during our recent study of the book of James is that faith in Jesus is always meant to lead to action. You see, what Paul shows us here is that it is responding to Jesus, which changes us. Specifically in this passage, it it leads us to peace. So here is our simple directive today. When we respond to Christ's presence, we'll be protected by Christ's peace. When we respond to Christ's presence, we'll be protected by his peace. Somebody say amen. That's enough right there, isn't it? There is a lot which demands a response from us. There are deadlines at work and school. There are children we are learning to parent. There are loved ones who are sick. As Pastor Michelle prayed, there is violence in our neighborhoods. And each of these has the potential to rob us of our peace. And God would not have us ignore any of these realities. Rather, the instruction is to respond to the presence of Jesus first, and then to bring the peace he gives us to everything else in our lives. Everything else I'm going to say is just saying that in different ways. There are three directives in our passage, three ways we respond to Christ's presence. Rejoice in the Lord. Let your gentleness be known. And do not worry, but pray. Joy, gentleness, and prayer. Each of these are ways that every one of us can respond to Christ and be protected by his peace. So let's take the first one. Respond to Christ's presence and be protected by his peace. How? By rejoicing in the Lord. Uh, That word for rejoice is used seven times in our passage. It's sort of the the opposite of mourning. Now, we are at the time of year when when people start making their, their best of lists, the top whatever of 2021. And we probably all do that in our own ways. And if we're doing that honestly, that list will include memories of what we have mourned, lamented, grieved, lost in 2021. Some of us can think of particular passings and deaths, friendships which have been frayed, unrealized goals, We zoom out and we see famine in Yemen. We see persecution of Muslim people in China. We see insurrection in our own country. There is plenty that we would mourn at the end of this year. Paul says that even from that place, we can rejoice for one particular reason. The Lord is near. That short sentence holds together each of these three imperatives. We rejoice, we let our gentleness be known, and we pray all for the same reason. The Lord is near. 
Jesus is near in time. He will return and make all things new. And Jesus is near in space. Through the presence of his Holy Spirit, Jesus is closer to you than your very breath. Jesus is near. This is why we can respond to Christ, because he is near. Now, when it comes to rejoicing, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Paul does not say, ignore all that stuff you have to mourn about so that you can rejoice. He doesn't say, sweep all that under the rug, pretend it didn't happen so you can put on your happy rejoicing face and come to church. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Jesus is the source of our joy. Anyone who tells you to to rejoice and to ignore what's true in your life is asking you to do something pretty cruel, actually. And this is not what, what Paul is after. Go back to the example of Mary that we talked about with our children this morning. In her song, in, in Luke chapter 1, she, she says, my, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary had lots to be troubled about. <laughs> she belonged to an occupied people. She, she now understood that the trajectory of her life was going to look very different than what she had planned for it. And yet she could rejoice in that moment in God, her Savior. This is the appropriate response to the nearness of Christ, no matter what we are facing in our lives. The very first time we we find this word rejoice is in Matthew chapter 2. The Magi, some of us would know them as the wise men, have made their way across the world to find this Messiah. And, and, and the text tells us that when they, they saw the star that they'd been following, that it stopped above a certain place, they were overwhelmed with joy. That is the natural response to the nearness of Jesus. When we understand that Jesus is near, the natural response is to rejoice. So church, Respond to Christ's presence. Be protected by his peace by rejoicing in the Lord. Second, we we, we respond to Christ's presence and know his peace by letting our gentleness be known. If if I asked you what's on your top five list of of things you want to be, my, my hunch is that most of us would not include gentleness. If I were to ask most of us about your, your, your favorite television show and some of your favorite characters, my guess is that most of them don't embody gentleness. It's not something we typically aspire to, though it is something we love to receive. We love to be on the receiving end of gentleness, especially when we're expecting something else. We need to notice the way that Paul phrases this. Rejoice is an action. It's something you do. Pray, it's an action. It's a verb. It's something you do. Gentleness is different. He says, let your gentleness. He's talking about an attribute, a characteristic, a virtue, something that defines who you are. Let your gentleness be known. Think of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 when he said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I 
am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, Jesus was not only gentle. (laughs) Jesus was brave. Jesus was honest. Jesus did not suffer fools. (laughs) But he was never not gentle. In all of that, Jesus was still gentle. And and, and friends, this is available to us as well. This this gentle spirit is, is actually one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. As we draw near to the gentle Jesus, you and I are meant to become more gentle. Now now watch this. Uh, Paul says, let your gentleness be known to everyone. He's assuming that the church in, 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 in Philippi, they are already gentle. They're already becoming like Jesus. Gentleness is already something that marks their character. And, and so Paul says, I just want you to let that gentleness be known. I want it to be on display. To who? To the church? To the sisters and brothers? To the people you gather and worship with? No. To everyone. Uh, This is to the neighbors and to the authorities who were often hostile to those early Christians. Uh, Paul says, let your gentleness be known to them. Let this be your witness to Jesus. Let this be your reputation in your neighborhood, in your city. Can I ask, is this what we are known for, church? Do Christians in our country have the reputation of being gentle people? I'll let you answer the question. Again, it's not that we are only known by our gentleness. We will be known for our testimony to the Lord Jesus. We will be known by the way we love the vulnerable. We will be known by the ways we reject violence in all of its form. We will be known by the way we speak truthfully to power, but we will always be gentle. This is an instruction for a church, for a community. It's a corporate witness to our gentle Lord Jesus, but every one of us contributes to this. Are you known for your gentleness? If someone were to to describe you, not at your best, would they describe you as being gentle? Would they say that when I am with this person, I receive gentleness? I am treated gently. I am cared for. I experience humility. Let me invite us over the next couple of weeks, to spend some time with the the gentle Jesus. Notice how Jesus could move through the world with care and humility. Notice how Jesus could be angry and tired and frustrated and still be gentle. It's not a choice. You don't have to choose between being angry and being gentle, being frustrated and being gentle, being hungry, and thirsty, and ready for some, what was the candy that you were on there, Pastor Michelle? (laughs) The Sour Patch Kids and being gentle. Amen. You can be longing for the Sour Patch Kids and still be gentle, because it's who we are becoming in Jesus Christ. Respond to Christ's presence. Know his peace by letting your gentleness be known. And finally, respond to Christ's presence. Be protected by his peace by praying instead of worrying. The Philippians had plenty to worry about. So do you. And Paul says, don't. So does Jesus. 
in many different places. We'll just take Matthew 6 and 27 as one example. Jesus asks rhetorically, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? It almost sounds as though Paul and Jesus are telling us to just will ourselves to stop worrying, which is never helpful, (laughs) ever. Uh, But notice it's a bit more nuanced than this because Paul says, do not worry, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What Paul is suggesting for us is that we exchange one response to our circumstances, worry, for another response to our circumstance, prayer. Think of a a young parent. Some of you have been parents. Some of you have been up close and personal while a friend is becoming a new parent. Think about a new parent who who can't tell you the last time they ate or bathed. (laughs) Because, you see, they they have a new reality that they're responding to. They're, They're responding to this child that they love dearly. And so things like hunger and cleanliness become a little less important. Paul's inviting us to exchange our responses. He's not saying just stop worrying. He's saying when something provokes your worry, respond to Christ first. He's playing with some words here. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. And then kind of mirroring that, he says, let your requests be made known to God. It's the same sort of passive construction, right? Paul says, look, you you, you already have this gentleness. Jesus is already conforming you to his image and likeness. Just let it be known. You already have these requests. You already have this stuff you're going through. You already have this stuff provoking your anxiety and your worry because you're a human being like everybody else. Just let your requests be made known to God. Just change the direction of your response. This is not a complicated teaching about how we pray. It's not a long list of instructions about what it looks like to pray. Paul just is offering us a shift, pretty simple shift. Let Jesus be the nearest reality you respond to. Don't ignore the things provoking your worry. Don't don't turn away from them. Just allow them to, 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 to turn you to letting your requests be made known to God. Don't pretend that things are better than they are. Just allow those circumstances to provoke your prayer. And so we have the opportunity, church, to let every worry remind us that Jesus is closer to you, closer to us than our very breath. That's the gift of worry. (laughs) That's the gift of the anxious thing that comes up in us. It can be an invitation to simply acknowledge that that Jesus is closer than that thing, than that person, than that question, than that concern. Respond to Christ's presence and then be protected by his peace by praying instead of worrying. Let me end here. Our passage closes with this final verse, and the peace of God, I think Pastor Michelle prayed this over us this morning, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
choosing to live our lives from the presence of Jesus is not simply something we're supposed to do. It's not simply evidence of our faith. It's actually the best way to live. I would suggest objectively, it's just a better way to live. Like the Philippians, there are so many things that can rob us of our peace. And the way that all of these peace stealers work is deceptively simple. They get us to believe that they deserve our first and our strongest response. That's it. That's the entire strategy. That this circumstance, that this question, that this doubt, that this part of my history deserves my first and my strongest response. But what if Jesus is closer than those peace stealers? What, 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 if, what if Jesus is closer to you than to that painful relationship? What if Jesus is closer to you than to the diagnosis that you're waiting on? What if Jesus is closer to you than the anxiety whose source remains hidden to you? What if Jesus is closer than who gets the first and the strongest response? Oh, and, and, and what if Jesus isn't simply near to you? What if his very presence is breaking into our world? The day will come when every idol and every ideology will have to renounce their claims to our world. The day will come when every power and principality which has claimed authority over our world and over your life will have to relinquish their control. The day will come when every demonic power will have to repudiate their deceptive ends and cede their ill-gotten authority to the Prince of Peace. Let's be very, 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 very precise. The call to the nearness of Jesus is absolutely not an invitation to ignore the realities which are troubling your soul and pillaging our world. No. Rather, we are invited to respond first to our Messiah who has already drawn near to us to the one who came humbly and unexpectedly, Mary and Joseph's quiet miracle. We respond to Jesus first, and we find ourselves protected by his peace. It's a knowledge-surpassing kind of peace. It's a mind-boggling kind of peace. It's a, I shouldn't feel this protected right now, but I do kind of of peace. Frankly, it's a peace that's pretty hard to describe if you haven't experienced it. And friends, this is a peace we don't just experience. It's a peace we bring with us to the rest of our lives. So that rather than being subject to the peace stealers, in Jesus, we become the peace bringers, the, the, the peace keepers, and the peacemakers. So, come this morning to the Lord's table. Come hungry for the peace 
which will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Come confessing and rejoicing in the nearness of the Savior who has come close to you. Have you never turned your life over in faith to the God who has come closer to you than your very breath? Then come to the table, confessing your sinful separation from God and accepting his salvation, that you too would know this surpassing peace. And so our Prince of Peace, we, we turn to you gratefully for rescuing us from the thieves of our peace. We thank you, God of Shalom, for rescuing us into your peace. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that the peace you promised us is not a one-day peace. It's a today peace. It's a in-the-midst-of peace. It's, it's a before-I-get-to-the-other-side-of-my-testimony kind of peace. Because we don't pray to a God who's on the other side. We pray to the God who has come near. We, we confess the, the Savior who has already entered our situation, our wilderness, who has already taken on to yourself everything that would have separated us from you. And so you have brought your peace near. So today, we want to know your peace. At the end of 2021, uh, we know that you have peace for us. We thank you for the capacity to mourn, to lament, to grieve, to speak the truth, and to know your peace. (laughs) We thank you that you have liberated us from the peace stealers, that you have empowered us through your Holy Spirit to be the ones who bring your peace everywhere we go. You are good. You are good. And so we thank you this morning. We thank you this morning. We testify, even in this moment, right now, that we have known your peace. (laughs) Some of us this morning aren't just saying, I need that peace. We're saying that, that, that but for that peace, I wouldn't be here today. That but for the way that the peace of God broke into my circumstance, I wouldn't be here today. (laughs) So we lift a testimony of praise to you this morning as well. Thank you, Jesus, for your peace. It's in your name that we pray. Amen and amen.